It was really cool seeing not like an origin story of Batman, but almost more like an origin story of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good way of putting it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Other Brothers Podcast, the show where two best friends give their thoughts and opinions on any and all consumable content out there in the world. I'm John. And I'm Colin, and we are your hosts. Today, we're going to be talking about the one and only Twilight. No, I'm just kidding, we're talking about the Batman. Woo! Yeah, Yeah. this new version of Batman. This 400-hour version of Batman. (laughs) (laughs) So, before we get started, um, I was actually thinking about it this time, and I think I have a really good one-sentence summary of this movie that doesn't give much away. Um, Okay. So, my sentence is, cool action, creepy riddles, and lots of slow walking. All right. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) potentially a spoiler for like half the movie with that walking statement, but I think it's fine. Yeah, but that happens at the very beginning, (laughs) so I think it's fine. And Um, and all throughout. Don't don't forget the all throughout. No, but it starts right away. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. So (laughs) do you have a sentence? Um. My one-sentence non-spoilery review is they filmed a Batman movie and forgot to turn on half of the lights. Okay, I'll take it. That's fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. that's fair. Yeah, no, when I went to see this movie after work, I sat down in the theater and I was already kind of tired. I had my popcorn, I had my soda, and, you know, I'm watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And it just stayed dark. And oh man, <laughs> not that I wasn't having a good time. I had a great time, but the movie was so dark that like there were a couple of times where I felt my eyes getting like tired and I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be a stretch, but it's fine. It's kind of like, um, Dune, if Dune wasn't difficult to watch, if that makes sense and difficult to watch, I mean like complex to watch. Okay. Um, all right. I guess I should justify saying Dune because Dune is like bright, blazing sunlight, and the Batman is like complete darkness. Where mm-hmm. Dune was bright, and that kept me awake, and it was complex and like challenged my brain. The Batman mm-hmm. was easier to watch, but was so dark that it was it, it was it was dark. <laughs> it was dark. Yeah. It was dark and a cold room, and I had just eaten and had snacks. It was as close to bedtime as it gets (laughs) (laughs) that's fair so from here on out if you have not seen the batman uh beware we will be talking about it at length we will be giving our thoughts and opinions and we will definitely be spoiling different parts of the movie because that's what we do spoilers we we do spoilers oh okay well i'll i'll uh i'll change out my notes (laughs) so uh, i guess we should get started by talking about uh, Batman himself, Robert Pattinson. And I was so excited to see Robert Pattinson in something of this kind of format um, because everybody writes Robert Pattinson off as Edward Cullen, the Twilight guy, and that's like all they yep. give him credit for. And he's been in other things and he's done a good job in them, but I think this will kind of shed light on that a little bit more despite all the darkness in the movie uh, because... Yeah. I think he did a great job as Bruce Wayne and as Batman. 
Oh, it's fantastic. This is one of my favorite Batmans, probably right next to, like, uh, Bale. I mean, aside from the Batman voice, Bale was amazing. Whereas Pattinson, whole time, uh, it's just great. Yeah, I think that the take on Bruce Wayne was a very interesting way to depict him. Um, Very dark, very brooding, very introverted not wanting to be around people not wanting to talk to people wanting to just basically only be batman and not bruce wayne which was different um but yeah interesting no, and, to and see his his portrayal of of wayne was definitely i don't want to say lacking because i feel like it's all it's setting up all the groundwork for future movies and future development for uh bruce to kind of take up that idea of oh yeah i do need to put on the facade of being a non a non-caring billionaire you know what i mean yeah like he needs to go around and and be the the playboy billionaire philanthropist whatever tony stark says whereas who he is in this movie is very much somebody who doesn't quite get that yet but has been doing the batman thing long enough to kind of understand how the batman thing is supposed to work yeah, which is cool. It was really cool seeing not like an origin story of Batman, but almost more like an origin story of Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, and we see a lot in this movie about like his family and how all of that went down and like his parents dying, but like the things his parents tried to do but then got corrupted by the mob essentially in Gotham. Um, yeah, and, and how and that we'll get to affects that Bruce. Yeah, and how that just affects Bruce overall, which that was really interesting to see. <laughs> um, and it's like like that's something they touched on in Batman Begins with Christian Bale as well, a little bit, but not nearly Did as they? in a little bit. Um, very, very that. slightly, they talked about like um, renewal and the reason why his parents may have died. It's like. Oh. two minutes of a scene and that's it but they went way more in depth here with it the only okay. reason i know it is because i very recently watched batman begins um that's but, fair <laughs> and i feel like in this episode we'll probably make quite a few comparisons between this batman and other batmans just because i feel like it is so drastically different so i think it would be i think it's cool to kind of compare them almost and speaking of drastically different when I heard that the Riddler was the villain in this movie, I wasn't sure how to feel about it. And okay. then uh, talking about like the you were saying with the mob connections between the Waynes and the backstories and and how that is all uh, rather fleshed out, the way the Riddler is involved in this story blew my mind. Yeah, um, very Heath Ledger Joker. Um, and his costume was so utilitarian yeah (laughs) yeah it was and like not to say that it took me by surprise and a little bit of getting used to because a top hat and a lime green question mark filled three-piece suit would have been maybe a little out of place in this movie (laughs) yeah but like it was weird seeing the riddler dressed like that you know what i mean and yeah it really used to it was a very as much as a batman superhero movie can be it was a very real movie and i think utilitarian which is the word you used was a very good way to say it and that was kind of like the whole movie it was very this is what actual life in this world would be like versus like the comic book 
TV, like animated TV show version of the Riddler or any other depiction that we've seen. As much as I'd love to see a live action Batman movie where they go into like the really supernatural side of like the Batman comics for a realistic representation of Batman. This is awesome. The Christian Bale Nolan movies were really fun with how they portrayed Batman, his gadgets, and they were over the top, but like in a comic book movie kind of way. This didn't feel like a comic book movie to me. This felt like Batman was in a noir film, like a very art house noir, like detective story, which is what I think they were going for. I, they definitely nailed it. Yeah, it was very detective story-esque. It was almost more like murder mystery, figure out what's going on. Um, and I think the Riddler was a great choice to have be the bad guy for that kind of a feel because then it is puzzles and trying to navigate that and figure out what he means with what he's saying. So I think it was a really good way to go about that noir-esque film. So it was cool. Yeah. Uh, and, we, and we talked about it earlier, too. The length of this movie feels long. You know how, like, some movies that are really long, uh, but the pacing is really fast, feel short? Yeah. This one, I'd say about two-thirds of the way through, I didn't notice time all that much. Like, it didn't feel like a whole lot of time went by. But then there's a scene where the Riddler is at a coffee shop bar, you know, and and he's Mm -hmm. uh, spinning around his little question mark uh, cup of tea. After that, there was about, like, 45 or 50 minutes worth of movie left. And it felt like 45 or 50 minutes worth of movie left. Not that it wasn't fun, but it felt very long. <laughs> so, fun story about that, actually, for me. Okay. Um, so, I've seen this movie twice. I saw it once, like, opening night, and I saw it yesterday, just to refresh it in my brain before we recorded today. Um, okay. So, there was about a week in between that amount of time, right? The first time I saw it, opening night, I knew it was going to be a long movie. I knew it was close to three hours long going in. So I was like, all right, great. I'm going to use the bathroom before I sit down in this movie so I don't feel like I'm going to die while I watch this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And we got to about the two-hour point, right? Uh, I think I went to a 4.30 showing of this movie. So after previews, the actual movie, like, time start was closer to five. It was close to five. Um, So, all right, that's fine. Five o'clock. I'm sitting there. I'm watching this movie. It's going along. Like, I'm like, wow, this is a good movie. It's a good movie. It's kind of oh, slow paced, but like, I'm yeah. okay with that. It's actually really interesting. <laughs> and there's a lot that's happening and it's very cool, but it kind of feels like it's wrapping up. I'm like, we must be pretty close to the end because it feels like we've been here for a while. Um, and at that time was when like, they were just about to find the Riddler and like, he was going to get Falcone mm-hmm. out of the club. And I was like, okay, the movie is wrapping up this feels like a conclusion kind of spot this makes sense it's probably close to been about three hours because it has been a long movie um so this is this was a good movie i'm like not nearly as climactic as i thought it was going to be by the end of it but still good and i give it its props and then i check my watch and i'm like it's seven o'clock it's only been two hours i have another third of this movie (laughs) to sit through and at that point my bladder was like you don't want to be sitting anymore. And I was like, oh, crap. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I suffered through it, the pain of my bladder and having to pee, but it's oh. fine. Um, I'm usually good with long movies. Like, other long movies that I don't think I really noticed were long movies. Dune. We said Dune already earlier. Dune's a long movie also. Not quite as long, yeah. but still long. Uh, but that one has 
a lot going on and it makes you think. So I think that takes away from feeling like it's that long. Um, Avengers Endgame, also basically a three hour long movie. Doesn't feel that long though because it's very fast paced and so many different things happen. This yeah. movie is three hours long and it feels like it's three hours long because you said it, it's a slow burn. Um, I think in terms of negatives that I have about this movie is the length of it. Only because of how slow some of the scenes move. And I feel like they didn't need to move quite that slow. I get it for the style they were going for, but it's just it made it difficult at times for me to sit there and be like, okay, I get it. This is still happening. We can move forward. We get the idea. That's kind of where I was at with it mm. in a, a few places. But that's like my only real dig at the movie um, is just I felt like I was ready to move on before the movie was ready to move on in that's some fair. spots. And I'll get into specifics on that as we talk about them. Um, but that's it. I, so. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, uh, I've i always been under the impression that we're in for a change in how we watch movies moving forward. Because streaming and short series where it's only like four or five episodes per season for an overarching story is a long-form movie, basically. And I think we're going to get to the point that either movies of this length have a built-in intermission again, or we'll have like a part one, buy a ticket for that, and part two, buy a ticket for that, and you'll have to buy a ticket for both at like a cheaper rate, just so that you have that ability to not have to sit down through a three-hour movie, but still get to see a three-hour or four-hour movie up on the big screen. Yeah. Because the the one thing that uh, I have to say about the length of this movie, too, for the amount of time spent in this movie on certain characters, I wish that there was more scenes with them. That's like, fair. Uh, Andy Serkis surprised the crap out of me. I didn't realize he was Alfred coming into the movie. And then he popped up on screen and I said, Andy, what are you doing here? And then all of a sudden he was like talking like Alfred. I'm like, no way. Oh, this is great. Um, so because of the trailer, I knew he was Alfred, but I was very curious to see how he would do as Alfred because I have never seen Andy Serkis in a role like this. So I was like, I don't know. I'm not sure about Andy Serkis as Alfred, especially because like <laughs> when I think of Alfred at this point, I think of Michael Caine. Mm. And I'm like, I love Michael Caine as Alfred. He's such a good old yeah. man to play Alfred. And Andy Serkis, I'm like, he's not that old, is he? I don't actually know. But he did a good job, though. I was very impressed with Andy Serkis as Alfred. So I, too, look forward to seeing what he brings to the table in future movies in this franchise. Yeah, no, uh, Andy Serkis definitely surprised me as Batman. Or as Batman. Andy Serkis <laughs> definitely surprised me as... Uh... Oh, I, oh, I'm Batman. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm, just picture, now I'm just picturing Alfred like being really sarcastic to, to Batman. Like, oh, look what I can do. I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah. And then Robert Patton is um, there just with his like dark eyes and he's like, shut up, Alfred. <laughs> He's looking up for he's looking up from the vanity with a makeup brush as he's applying the, yeah. the black stuff. <laughs> uh. <laughs> anyway, what I meant to say was Andy Serkis as Alfred was a pleasant surprise, but I wish that there was more of him in the movie, even though we get a decent amount of him in the movie. And that mm -hmm. goes along for uh what's his name? Jeffrey Wright as Gordon. I thought he was a really cool Gordon. I really liked his take on He Gordon. might be my um, favorite. He might be I mean, my I favorite. love I love Gary Oldman as Gordon. 
Um, yes. But yeah, Jeffrey Wright did a really good job. So I don't know which one I prefer. I'm just a Gary Oldman fan in general. <laughs> oh no, Gary um, Oldman is fantastic. Uh, I think when the next Batman movie comes out or the following one, so the next two or the next two Batman movies, I'll have a solid opinion. But mm-hmm. right now, if you ask me which of the two Gordons uh, was my favorite, I'd have a really hard time answering, even though we've yeah. had three movies of Gary Oldman and only one movie with Jeffrey Wright. Well, I think they both fit their respective versions very well. I don't know if Gary Oldman oh, would do sure. well in this style of movie as Gordon, but Jeffrey Wright did a yeah. really good job in this dark, brooding, creepy version of Batman. So, yeah. Yeah, no, and and talking about dark, brooding, creepy characters. Let, you know, uh we we talked about Paul Dano's The Riddler already, but Colin mm-hmm. Farrell as the Penguin. Yeah. Um, was so, so first much off, fun. <laughs> first off, shut up, Colin Farrell. Like, how the heck do you transform yourself into the Penguin? Like, I had no freaking clue it was him until I saw his name in the credits. I had no idea. Yep. There was yep. no way uh, that anyone would be able to tell, and that blew my mind. I was like, no, no, it's not. There are stories from people on set where they would walk up, say hi to him, and then walk over to somebody else and say, hey, who's that? Yeah. Like, on set. It, it's insane. The transformation is insane. Yeah. Like, usually if you get, like, prosthetics or makeup or whatever to change your look, you can still tell who it is. You cannot tell that this is Colin Farrell unless, like, you know it's Colin Farrell. But, like, watching it the second time after knowing that, I was trying to, like, see Colin Farrell in his face or his voice, and I'm like, I get none of it. I got nothing. Yeah. Another standout in the movie... That might have been the person having the most fun on screen was uh, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle. Yeah. She looked like she was having a blast through the whole movie. I mean, like, everybody seemed to be in their roles doing their thing. Mm-hmm. She looked like she was just owning every single scene, and it was awesome. It was neat to see oh. a Catwoman that, like, is Catwoman. Zoe Kravitz, phenomenal. And. I haven't really liked the Catwoman character in any of like the TV shows or movies. Just I don't know. It it just was like okay, yeah, you're a character. You're here. Um, in this movie though, the things that she goes through as a character, the way that she confronts uh, Falcone at the end, it's just awesome. It's spectacular. Yeah, the way that it really shows like the revenge that she is out to get is really cool it gives her personality it gives her a story it Um, really is the whole like anti-hero thing too because i think one thing that a lot of movies get wrong with this kind of character uh not necessarily just catwoman but batman as well is that like they're anti-heroes they're not superheroes you know they're doing bad things for a good reason but still doing bad things you know breaking people's skulls and pointing guns at people you know, pushing people off buildings, beating down a mob of people, even if that group of people was going to beat up some guy in the subway, Batman just comes in and just starts wailing on them. And I'm pretty sure at least one of those guys has a fractured skull in the fight from the beginning. You know what I mean? I mean, potentially, but like they make a very good point in this movie to show that Bruce Wayne slash Batman does not want to kill anyone. His goal is to keep everybody alive. No, he doesn't kill anybody, but he definitely beats the shit out of him. Well, yeah, because that's, I mean, all superheroes do that, though. Like, Iron Man does that. Captain America does that, but they don't kill people either. But, like, 
how they do it is different because they're going after genuinely like bad people with guns pointed at people. Now, granted, that at the end of the movie, I know, I know, I know, but I'm talking more so about like the beginning of the movie, where it was just that group, it was that gang coming up uh, to beat on that one guy, and he comes in and just beats down this gang brutally. I thought it was really yeah. interesting. The, just to tie into the beginning of the movie, I thought the beginning of the movie was really interesting. The beginning was a very slow start to the movie, yeah. um, but they did a really good job with the voiceover um, that Robert Pattinson did to kind of show how Batman chooses the crime to attack. Yeah. And he didn't pick the the store robber. He didn't pick the graffiti people because they weren't hurting anyone. He went after the group of muggers who were going to beat up a person to try and stop someone from being harmed. So that was really interesting. And yeah, you make a good point. He goes in and he definitely severely hurts many of them. But now, d- not enough wrong, not though. enough to the point that they can't get up and run away because they all do run away. Mm, um, a couple of them are still on the ground. <laughs> After that fight, there's like three of them just laying there. They're, uh, they're not dead, but they're no. unconscious. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that is, uh, fine. is done really well in this movie, though, and... The Nolan movies, we're doing a lot of comparisons to the Nolan movies because those just came out the most recently to this, aside from Batman v Superman, which we don't talk about. Sorry, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, you were done dirty. Um, Gotham feels like a horrible city. Mm -hmm. Whereas Gotham in, like, uh, the Nolan movies feels like a dirty city it doesn't feel like a bad city do you know what i mean like gotham in the nolan movies feels like a good city that bad people are trying to ruin yeah whereas this movie it's definitely a city that has uh become rotten you know yeah which i as bad as it sounds i kind of love because it's neat to see gotham finally be a city that seems like a place that like the only answer is batman yeah and like when Bruce Wayne is back at the penthouse and he's writing in his journal, the, the diarying out everything that he's done throughout the night, he refers to the Batman as the Batman project or the Gotham project or, or something like that. Whereas he sees Batman as a solution to this city. Yeah. Not just, I'm going to be Batman because I think that this needs to happen for these reasons. And it, it's all about me for this version of Batman. It very much feels like, Batman was a character developed out of necessity to fix this city. Like this is the solu- this is the only solution yes. that he could think of to that would do anything. And it's interesting seeing the growth of that just through the movie because at the beginning like Oh yeah, Batman gets a character arc. How awesome. Yeah, cuz like <laughs> the first line you hear him say is I'm vengeance. Um and that's great, <laughs> but like and he's just kind of I feel like at that moment like trying to avenge the city and try and make it better in that way and use fear as the motivator to stop crime, which he begins to realize throughout the entirety of the movie isn't working, right? So by the end of the movie, he's like, he talks about the fact that he's like, maybe vengeance isn't my best option. Maybe I need to actually be a symbol of hope, yeah, which is different and more powerful because then people will side with him instead of be afraid of him which is kind of interesting to see that growth just through the movie. Yeah, no, for sure. And especially at the very end where you see Batman actually like helping people. Yeah. And like in a, in a destruction zone, like I don't think I've ever actually seen that on screen. 
Yeah, that was cool. It was very cool. He made the sacrificial play too. Like he like mm-hmm. jumped onto that electrified wire, not knowing if he was gonna make it out of that, but he tried and electrocuted himself and fell into the water. <laughs> and for that split second, I was like, "Oh crap! This is a stand standalone movie where he doesn't make it out of it." But then he very quickly got up in the water. I was like, "Okay, all right, he's good still." <laughs> yeah, uh, let's talk about a couple of different scenes in the movie, trying to go in order uh, for when they happen in the movie, as to like standout moments so like we already talked about that opening fight scene in the subway uh it's a very very slow reveal for a batman showing up but you kind of feel the like (laughs) the weight of him showing up you know what i mean like his presence in that moment is very much this is what batman's going to be like through the whole movie not just slow walking Mm -hmm. but he doesn't even need to say a word yeah and like uh then there's also batman showing up at the different crime scenes and he doesn't really say all that much. He just kind of looks around, but is still a presence. Whereas, like, in the, the Nolan movies, Batman in the background of two other people talking looked like a kid waiting to, you know, go out trick-or-treating while the parents argued. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was interesting because, he you're right, he didn't say much when he was in those crime scenes. But the things he did say were only to progress the investigation. Yeah. Or, like, to answer a question that maybe, like, Gordon had. Like, when in that first crime scene after the mayor is dead and they go there and they pull out the card. And so he opens up the card and the riddle on the inside of it is, what does a liar do when he's dead? And Gordon can't figure it out. The other detectives can't figure it out. And um, Batman just turns to them and says, he lies still. Oh, he yeah. doesn't, that's, like, all he says for most of that entire crime scene scene. But... It's what progresses the story. It's what helps the investigation. He gives the answer, and then that's it. He doesn't say much else. <laughs> this might be a problem with the Riddler as a character, like whenever he's used in a story like this. But like, since Batman is the world's greatest detective, watching him do detective things and then also solve riddles, to me, mm-hmm. very much feels like uh, it'll lead into a really good, like, oh, what is it, college humor sketch? Where it's just... okay. I want to. I want to answer riddles. Give me. A, give me a riddle. Yeah. Yeah. I got that right. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, like it. It seemed like, at least the way Pattinson delivered it, the riddles were more of just like a thought problem that he had to go through in order to progress. Which obviously that's exactly what it was. But the way that I saw it was very much. It seemed like Batman really enjoyed answering the riddles. Okay, I don't know if I necessarily agree, but that's just my opinion. I feel like he definitely only did it out of necessity. It was definitely um, out of necessity, but it was but, so. But he answered them so fast that it was kind of like, "Yep, all right, here's this one. All right, here's the answer, and here's the answer to this one." You know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't know if that necessarily means that he enjoyed it. Mm. I think that doing that was a very cool way to depict the fact that Batman is the world's greatest detective because. Again, to the Nolan films, we don't really see that as much. We don't see him, like, in his head figuring those things out so much as, like, I'm going to punch things to figure it out Um, and ask the very simple questions of, where is this person? Where is the Joker? (laughs) Where is this? Like, that's how he found out his stuff. Robert Pattinson's version, he just figures it out. He really does. Like, yes, he still goes and he meets with the penguin and he's like, where is this girl? That's because he doesn't know the girl. That's different. 
Um, but like all these puzzles, he uses his brain and his intelligence that he definitely has to figure it out. In this movie, he makes all of his own stuff, right? At least right. that's my assumption. Yeah. There's no him, him proof and Alfred of that. Are, him and Alfred are the ones doing that. Yeah. Whereas in the Nolan films, it's Lucius Fox, played by Morgan Freeman, who gives him all of the supplies and the gadgets and those things to make Batman Batman. So it's an interesting take to show the intellect that Bruce Wayne has in this movie, I think. Um, and maybe, yes, maybe he does enjoy the riddles. That's fair. <laughs> um, I love a good riddle, too. One of the other riddles that I, I made me laugh in like an unintentional kind of way was the uh, URL Rata Alada mm-hmm. being like the answer being www.ratalada.com. Like that, I don't know. It, it just made me laugh to see like modern tech used in a normal way in a Batman setting with like the Riddler. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a neat use of um, incorporating like technology. It- just made now. me laugh not in like a funny way but like in like a oh that does make sense yeah that i yeah that's exactly what that would be before that scene happens the alrata lata scene um that we have this crazy crazy car chase with the penguin and we get to see the batmobile which is super fun and super cool when the batmobile showed up on screen i audibly like cheered and clapped a little bit yeah i was so happy and this batmobile is so cool don't oh, me, it is. It's the, awesome. The Rumbler's fun. The uh, Batman, uh, was it the, T- the Tim Burton Batman movies with the giant flamethrower in the back? I feel like inspired mm. kind of like the look for this Batmobile. But out of all yeah. of the Batmobiles that have existed on screen, this one's my favorite. I think this is a really nice combination of the Tim Burton one and the Tumbler to kind of together. <laughs> but also like just um, this muscle car that Pattinson drives and I mean this uh, pun intentionally, drives it like a bat out of hell. Yeah. Like, yeah, he does. It is wild. It is out of control. And it, it is in, insane. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this scene is super cool. And the action that happens in it and like the desperation that we see the penguin have throughout this entire car chase mm-hmm. is really, really awesome because it shows like the fear he even has of Batman while yeah. being chased down. Um, but... This is one of those scenes that I think was just like a touch too long for me. Really? I wish that the, I, it was the yeah. perfect length for me. So, because I'm watching it and I'm like, and I get why they made it as long as they did. It was realistic that way. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, this is another street they're going down. Okay, nothing's changed. Here's another street they're going down. Mm. And then something exciting happens where like traffic picks up and he gets the penguin gets trapped within these cars. So he kind of swerves around and makes a car swerve out of the way. And then he like, smashes into this truck to make it flip that that's really also cool to me. made out of nitroglycerin yes that thing just and that explodes was, <laughs> and that was wild that was awesome i loved that but like up until that point i feel like there was a lot of swerve swerve drive 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 i was like we're in a fast and furious movie right now um that, that's, that's fair. yeah <laughs> going on a little longer than i needed it to um not that it was bad just one of those scenes where i'm like this is long at what? least he wasn't walking. Well, that's not true. At the very end of the scene, <laughs> he does his nice slow-mo walk to the penguin's car. One of the only things that I remember from the trailer when I was watching the movie was the uh, the penguin looking back at that ball of flame going, I got you, I got you. And then the Batmobile comes flying through the flames and lands, and it just looks great. When it was happening in the theater, 
it didn't diminish it. You know how, like, if you see something in a trailer enough times, you kind of see it and you're like, okay, that's the scene, mm-hmm. that's the thing. No, it was still yeah. really cool. Uh, but yeah, maybe maybe just a bit too long in the cuts in between that that could have mm-hmm. been a little shorter. Um, but yeah. that's like that's like at this point we're nitpicking. Yeah, exactly. I'm allowed to be picky. That's our job. Yeah. Uh, there's another really good scene with the Penguin and Batman when Batman shows up to, what is it, the Ice Lounge? Is that it? The Ice Club? The, the ice Iceberg lounge? lounge, yeah. The Iceberg Lounge. That's it. Uh, and he's like, I want to talk to the Penguin. And then uh, mm-hmm. the the guy kind of like closes the door in his face and then opens it up with another guy and is like, it's Batman, <laughs> you know, and then, they, yeah, the twins and, and then they fight and there's a really cool fight. And we'll talk about that in a second. But when he shows up later in the movie as Bruce Wayne and they open the door, close it and reopen it. It's like, no way, no way. That's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, that's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. The one guy's like, I told you it was him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that made me laugh too. Uh, but when Batman's going into the iceberg lounge, that fight scene like there, there's a there's a similar fight in Batman Begins when Batman fights his way to Falcone just to talk to him. Here though, every hit felt really intense, and yeah, like the action in of itself, like you don't get to watch a whole lot of the fight scenes in the Nolan movie because it cuts away and cuts around it so much that way Batman kind of stays mysterious during the fight. Whereas here, it mm-hmm. was just brutal. Yeah, it was. It was cool. So he he wasn't killing people. But he wasn't afraid to seriously maim and injure. Yeah, he wasn't afraid to harpoon a guy through the leg. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's cool. I'm good with that. Uh, but that's mixed in with the crazy visuals of the lights within the club itself. Yeah. Because there's like this weird strobing effect and like these uh, pole lights that the light descends down the pole. Mm-hmm. But all throughout the entire club. And th- this scene in particular, I mean, there's another scene where Batman's overlooking the city that looks great. But this scene and the way that it's shot really kind of made me think about who shot the movie and it's greg frazier Mm -hmm. and i don't know if that name means anything to you but he worked on the mandalorian yep and dune Mm -hmm. and that shows here no he's worked on a bunch of crazy things that have awesome cinematography yeah i'm I'm just saying like recent stuff he he's been in the industry for a while but i mean like He's very quickly or has become my favorite cinematographer. And I, not that I know a whole lot of cinematographer names or think about movies like that, but mm-hmm. any movie or project that he works on moving forward, I know I'm going to be excited about. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a very well-shot movie. Um, one, of the no, one of the few notes that I wrote down is the cinematography and the fight scenes are very cool and they feel so real, which is a testament to how they are shot. And I think it's so awesome. Well, speaking um, of real, you know that hallway scene where uh, Batman shows up to Falcons and it's just a whole lot of gunfire? That's the scene I was talking about. That is my absolute favorite fight scene in the whole movie. I think it's so cool because the only lighting in that scene is the muzzle flashes, and I think it's really cool. And the muzzle flashes aren't just muzzle flashes put in there. All of that was shot practically. That's wild. That is crazy to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, right? It took them a couple different shots to do it, but the fact that that was done practically and done safe is awesome. mind-blowing that is so the, cool. the stunt work in this movie is top-notch yeah it really is it's awesome but that's my favorite fight scene in the whole movie is because it's just lit by the muzzle flashes so it's like a strobe yeah. light effect but practical and not a strobe light and it's so cool to me and there's no music behind it either no it's the just only, that the only sounds <laughs> that's you're all getting it are, is. are sounds of gunfire and people being punched yeah it's <laughs> awesome um speaking of sound 
the music in this movie, just the motif, the Batman motif in this movie is so ominous and so spooky, but like, yeah. and it's, it's so simple. It's two notes that go back and forth, essentially. That's all it is. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. That's all it is over and over again. Um, but it's so cool. And the way that they use it in different parts of the movie and how they later on in the movie tie in Ave Maria to that motif and make Ave Maria yeah. creepy later on because Ave Maria is a big part of this movie as well. Just strangely mm-hmm. enough, but it is. Um, the Like you were saying, the soundtrack to this movie is... In, it, it's very scary in a sense. Like it's yeah. very creepy, but in a very well done way. It, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So the use of Ave Maria that way and tying it in with the main theme... It was very interesting to me. And it's not something I really noticed the first time listening through it. I was like, okay, Ave Maria is there. Okay, that's the Batman theme. Cool, cool. The second time, though, I put it together and I was like, oh, that's even cooler than I thought it was. That's awesome. Yeah. One thing I want to talk about, kind of going back to the Riddler, and we were talking about his riddles and whatnot. There's two different Riddler things that happen that we haven't discussed yet. One is the... Uh, who is it? Is it the DA that gets uh, put into a car that drives into the funeral? Yep. That scene with him talking on the phone and having the bomb around his neck, really intense. Wow, yeah. Yeah, it was. Like, shockingly intense. Almost uh, similar to Heath Ledger's Joker, where he where he kidnaps the, the one Batman guy mm-hmm. uh, and is making, like, the handheld horror film. Yeah. Uh, there's another scene in here where uh, the Riddler has a similar scene. But if I had to compare the two, this would be the one that is kind of like, oh, the Riddler is, he's really messed up. Yeah. Yes, he is. Um, That scene in the church for the funeral is actually really, there was just one moment in it that was like, not funny, but funny to me the second time I watched it because we've we've talked about how slow Bruce Wayne's movement in this movie is and Batman's movement is. This is one of two scenes where we see him run. And I was like, oh, yeah. he's running because he runs to save the kid so he doesn't get run over by a car. I was like, he can move fast. He just chooses not to. Okay, good to know. <laughs> and the other one is wait, in the wait, last wait. fight, but that's just funny. Uh, okay, yeah, I was just about to ask, what, what's the other time that he runs? Because I was not paying attention to that through the movie. Yeah, it's um when it's, I think it's after he, like, injects himself with his mega adrenaline that makes him, like basically kill a guy i I have questions about that he runs he gets up and he sprints at this guy and knocks him down and pummels him to near death yeah um but those are the only two times i noticed him run in the whole movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah well um that might have made the movie a little bit shorter had he he run more (laughs) yeah yeah uh i have two more things i want to say sure i want to talk about the ending fight and that craziness, and I want to talk about uh, the mystery character showing up at the end. Yeah, okay. So we mentioned earlier that the movie definitely feels like it's coming to a close when uh, Batman is bringing Falcone into the light under a very convenient street lamp uh, located conveniently across from the Riddler's flat as he takes him out by a sniper rifle. And this is where the Riddler gets captured and sent to Arkham, and the movie definitely feels like it could have ended there. Mm -hmm. And it would have been... I feel like a smaller movie had it not. And I think had that happened, I would have been okay with it, but I would have felt a little underwhelmed. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, too, about it. And, like, feeling like that felt like closure, but, like, also not the most climactic way to end a movie. Yeah. And, like, I know a couple people um, that I've talked to have been like, oh, it's another huge action set piece to 
end a movie or, or end a comic book movie. And it's like, well, what do you expect? It's a comic book movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And on top of that... What are you supposed to do? You're you're there to see the spectacle, and the Riddler blowing up the dam surrounding Gotham and flooding the city? Oh. That's insane! Holy crap, yeah. Um, And it's terrifying. You know, and, and the... Uh, this is at the point where Batman and the Riddler are talking at Arkham, and it's like, you know, the Riddler's like, I thought you were my friend, I thought we were together. I know, going back a little bit, but that scene was really fun. Not fun, intense, but fun to watch, you know? Yeah. I really thought that he did know who Bruce Wayne was. I did, that was too. was a really good that, fake out. Yeah, it was. At first, when I was listening to it, and then he was like, yeah, Bruce Wayne. And then he kind of, like, cut to the rest of the conversation. I was like, that's a weird transition. But then I was like, well, he's also a messed up guy. Yeah. So it makes sense that that's how his brain would formulate the thoughts. Um, but at first I was like, it's like they put it in there just to fake people out, but, yeah, but it was that a really good I'm fake like, out. well, I mean, <laughs> it was a really good fake out. So I'm not mad at that at all. That's yeah. fine. Even, even if it, what um, I'm saying, it what, faked out Bruce Wayne too. I guess what I'm saying is even if it had been shoehorned in because it was done so well, I was fine with it. Yeah, that's exactly. Uh, anyway, so we get to the, the city is blowing up and we have, water rushing in from everywhere and everybody's running to this amphitheater where there's this uh is it a congresswoman a mayor mayor elect mayor uh yep where she has her thing going on and the riddler's followers start to show up and and it's made very clear that the end of this movie is going to take place in this madison square garden style theater auditorium place it's um it's really funny you say that because Honestly, I think it took me until the second time watching this movie to remember the fact that this isn't New York City, but it's actually <laughs> Gotham. Yeah. Uh, because they they have a Gotham Square Garden is what it's called in the movie. And yep. I'm like, well, that, that wasn't hard to figure out. Yep. Um, <laughs> but they just refer to it as like the garden or whatever. And I'm like, oh, Madison Square Garden in my head. And I'm like, yeah, they're in Madison Square mm-hmm. Garden. It looks just like Madison Square Garden because it's Madison Square Garden, but it's Gotham Square Garden. And I just thought it was funny. I'm like, that's fair. <laughs> Gotham is the DC depiction of New York City. I just sometimes I Chicago. forget that. Uh, I don't think it's Chi- well, crime-wise, maybe it is. It very well, could. But the fact that I mean, it's it could be New York. The I'm, fact I'm, that I'm it's Madison right. Square Garden, but it's not. That would be New York. Yeah. So <laughs> this one, at least, I think, is very New York esque. But I don't know. Yeah. No, for sure. And and uh, going back into the attack that happens in this set location, you have the Riddler's followers showing up, mm-hmm. and they're all dressed like the Riddler. They all have their guns, and they're all really creepy, and they're all people from the Rada Alada site. And I forget where I read this, but in an interview, the the director was like, uh, yeah, I I wanted it to have kind of a QAnon feel. And I read that shortly after seeing the movie, and now I can't think about his followers any other way. That's fair. I didn't know. I didn't see that. And that is very fitting. Even if it's not true, that comparison is alarming. Yeah. (laughs) But was rather shocking to see that kind of philosophy and that kind of mindset and that kind of organized group uh, organized through the internet depicted in a superhero movie, mm-hmm. you know, like that's terrifying. That's really scary. Yeah, definitely. And like, they are really scary. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause they are just ready to kill anyone. 
Um, one thing that I was like con- a little confused about, but like also it kind of makes sense is when we first see them like take action, is they shoot mm-hmm. the the new mayor to like try right, and assassinate that's what they were there her. To do. Yes, but yep. she spots them before that happens, and she just stands there. She's just like. Oh, she God. didn't strike me as. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't th- throughout the whole movie. Like I get that she's like the. Uh, I'm gonna be great. I'm gonna be good. I'm I'm gonna change up renewal. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this city. Yeah. But as she's talking to Bruce Wayne, like he's clearly like, at the funeral. Mm-hmm. He's clearly got his mind on other things. Also, you're at a funeral. Like I know you don't see Bruce Wayne a whole lot, but like he has an address. He has a phone. You know, you, you you can talk to Bruce Wayne about, like, budgets and, and being a philanthropist outside of a funeral. Well, what, she's, you know? what she says is, I've been trying to reach you, but they keep telling me you're busy. So she was, that uh, her okay. reasoning for reaching line. him there is because he's not willing to talk to anyone ever because he's always Batman. Um, but. Yeah, maybe I missed that but one. But she does come off a very, like journalist reporter-esque in that scene because she's like i don't care yeah, if this not, is not a bother like to a, you i just want the information um not like a mayor not very hos- yeah. not very hospitable mayor-esque yeah uh but i i guess what i was uh meaning to like say with that or like the point that i was trying to make is that she didn't seem like the most aware person yeah maybe then and then like when they show up it was like you you see people up in the scaffolding and like you can clearly see that they have guns. Yeah, duck maybe, <laughs> or maybe run. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. I am curious I, to I see. I was surprised that she survived. I'm happy she survived. Um, I'm me too. I was just very surprised yeah. by it. I'm curious to see what her character does in subsequent movies, trying to rebuild the city and fix like the dams and. Yeah de-flood the city and now that falcone is dead and the riddler is stopped see what she does about the penguin kind of taking control of the dark side of gotham and speaking of the penguin taking control of the dark side of gotham i i don't have an hbo subscription and when uh, they talked about the snyder cut i was tempted to get one and then i didn't get it because i was poor but now that the gotham pd uh, series has morphed into an Arkham series with the Penguin involved in it. I'm I'm very tempted to get, if not tempted, I think I will get an HBO subscription just to see this show. Okay, cool. Because now Batman is this flooded mess. You can't just leave that. You know what I mean? Like that that is such a different take on crime, a different take on action, and a different take on like the whole idea of Gotham in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it's something that we haven't seen. Obviously, the city was flooded in this movie, but the effects of that are something that will be felt throughout the rest of this series, whether that's in a you know a show on HBO Max or more movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know there was a TV show. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pertaining to this universe with this Batman? Yep. Since when? With this, um, It's focused on the Riddler, Joker, uh, and I, I don't know if the Penguin has his own show, like if it's two separate shows or if it's one show, uh, but I think it's all one show. Like with, uh, fo- like with Colin Farrell's like Penguin? Colin and... Farrell as the Penguin. Oh, snap. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. 
And okay. like it's kind of like the Mandalorian and uh, the Book of Boba Fett mm-hmm. and all that, where it's a series that if it was put on the big screen would work just as well. Interesting. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And speaking of this series and, and the uh, Riddler and uh, Joker spoilers, we get the Joker showing up, at least a little bit hinted at. Yeah, in a very real version of the Joker as well. Now, apparently this isn't the Joker yet. Like, he's yes. just some guy that Batman had brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a deleted scene where apparently they had some conversation back and forth a little bit, talking about their history and like, oh, how, you know, uh, I think the line that was cut was, uh, it's funny that you're here tonight on our anniversary. Okay, interesting. You know? Which I kind of wish that they had kept, because the what they left in this movie, not that it didn't leave a good taste in my mouth, but like, the Joker's a character that's been on screen so so much, uh, in the same way as Batman. There's so many different Batmans, and there's so many different Gordons, and there's so many different Alfreds. Like, you have to do something different from all the other ones mm-hmm. that have come before you, but you also need to now match just how good this movie was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and they have a lot of roads they can go down with that. Yeah. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at, too. Um, they did a good job of making him creepy in the very brief moment we get to see him. Um, and as dark as it is, you can kind of see that he has this deformed face where he just has a smile that does not stop. Um, it's very, very dark and very hard to see, but... I kind of looked for it the I mean, second time the watching movie. it. Yeah, <laughs> but it's something I looked for the second time watching it because after like reading about the Joker in that scene, it was like they're basing it off of the man who can't stop smiling or whatever he's called, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. So kind of seeing that they did have that in there, even though it was very subtle and hard to see, just like the rest of the movie, um, was cool to me. So I'm, I am also cautiously optimistic about it. I love the Joker as a villain, so I'm glad they're not like shying away from using him because it's been done yeah. so much. I hope that in future movies they have like multiple villain plot lines, kind of like they did in this movie with the Penguin and Falcone and the Riddler all tied into one movie because I want to see what happens with um, the Penguin. I would love to see like a Mr. Freeze. I would love to see some other villains from the Batman stories that haven't been touched on yet, though, too. I think that'd be really cool. Oh, no, for sure. And watching these characters interact with one another was definitely something in this movie that I enjoyed a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you hear the you hear the term, you know, too many characters, too many things going on uh, a lot in movies that are this length with this many people in them. But watching the different villains bounce off of each other, watching the different characters interact all throughout this movie was awesome. They tied all of these different plots together at the end so well. Um yeah. The way the Riddler kind of used all of the different elements of this movie to craft that ending, I'm going to flood the city and get rid of all of this, and also bring to light the fact that Falcone's a rat and all of these other people are bad people was so cool to me. Just how, even though he's a complete crazy person, how smart he is in this movie. Yeah. We can definitely thank Matt Reeves and Peter Craig. Uh, they wrote this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very obvious that Matt Reeves is passionate about this movie, this franchise, and this character. And I'm really looking forward to seeing like the next Batman projects that are coming down the line with uh, Matt Reeves involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing that I have, really, 
is another scene that I just felt like went on just a touch too long. Um, okay. And that was the very end. At, yes. It was after they said goodbye. Like that whole goodbye scene between Selena and Batman. Very cool. Very touching. Very nice. And she's like, are you trying to get me to stay? And he's like, no, not necessarily, but I need to stay. Um, and that's great. I'm mm-hmm. good with that. But then they do this whole motorcycle ride out of the cemetery with very little background music and no dialogue. It's just them riding their motorcycles. And it felt very Fast 7 um, at the end of that when yeah. they're kind of driving off and going their separate ways. But at least yeah, that one yeah. had music. <laughs> this one didn't even have and music. You get, you get Batman looking in his rearview mirror watching yeah. him drive off for like 20 minutes. I was like, this is another two minutes of the movie that didn't need to be two minutes long. Like they could have just gone down a road driven separately. That's it. But they take these windy roads all the way through this cemetery out to this big grandiose entrance where then they finally turn away. Yeah. It just felt like more than it needed to be again. Just one of those scenes that was just slightly longer than it needed to be. In my opinion, that's all. It's interesting to me that uh, both this movie, The Dark Knight, and I think there's one more end with a shot of Batman driving off into the sunset on a motorcycle. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember that from The Dark Knight, but that's really either, funny. Either a sunset or like a uh, maybe it's the rising sun. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's just driving off on a motorcycle and then a big swelling note before you get the, the credits starting. <laughs> interesting. I was just kind of surprised by that one. That's funny. Um yeah, I, I don't think I really have any other notes to talk about um, with this movie. So do you want to get into the rating? Yeah, definitely. Um, for this movie, I've been thinking about it because, like, I really enjoyed this movie. This mm-hmm. Because it's such a long movie and such a slow movie, I feel like this isn't a movie that I feel the need to, like, watch a lot. But that doesn't mean I don't like it a lot, you know? I know exactly what you mean, yeah. Like... Other superhero movies we've talked about, um, one that is not an episode that we actually have is Shang-Chi. That's a movie that like mm-hmm. I really enjoyed and I could watch a lot because it's fast-paced, it's fun, it's goofy, it's action-y. This one is a much more serious tone and I feel like I need to be in a very specific mood to enjoy it. But that yeah. doesn't take away from it, right? So I think I would probably rate this movie like a 4 or a 4.5. I think I'm leaning toward 4.5 as my rating for it, though, because I really enjoyed it. Okay, yeah. No, very fair. And I think I was just extra surprised because DC has struggled to put out quality stuff, especially recently, aside from maybe the Snyder Cut. But um, this is a good one. This is definitely a good one. So I would say probably 4.5 for this from me. Okay, sweet. Oh, uh, one last thing I want to mention before I give my rating. Um, the only other note that I had that I completely forgot about up until now was uh, a lot of movies will include the uh, title of the movie like five minutes into it or like at the very beginning. This one's at the very beginning, and it's not just the title. It takes up the whole screen. Yeah, it, it does. Is the Batman. Yeah. But like <laughs> massive block letters filling up the entire screen. It looked great, but I was rather shocked by it and it made me laugh a little bit. Yeah, it was kind of funny. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Um, I feel like honestly I would give this movie a five if it wasn't as slow as it was. That's like because mm. I'm sure you've noticed, everybody listening, my only complaint about this movie is the slowness of it. Um in different parts so 
I think that's really the only thing that took away from it. I really liked it, though. Yeah, no, that's completely fair. I like a slow burn. I am all about a build-up to a huge uh, ending, climactic, awesomeness, set-piece, action, whatever for a superhero movie. That's fine by me. I like a good art house detective film, too. But this film was three hours long. And in the same way that you said that you would have given it a five had it been shorter, I have to agree, which is why I'm going with a 4.5. Like, this movie is one of my favorite Batman movies. Like, I don't don't know. I'm probably going to have to think about it between this and The Dark Knight. But when more Batman movies come out under Matt Reeves, like we said, with Pattinson, Mm -hmm. whoever else is going to return, hopefully we see more of the Riddler. Hopefully we get to see this Joker and kind of get a feel for them. That is one thing I'm curious about, too, is that with how intense the Riddler is, they have to go even more intense with the Joker. And I'm wondering what you can do that's more intense and scarier. Yeah. Which makes me think that we're in for some really intense stuff. I'm also curious Um, to see what he's already done, because he is already in prison. That, too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a 4.5. Awesome. Um, That about wraps it up for us. Hopefully you enjoyed what you heard, and if you did, don't forget to rate us five stars on whatever podcast listening place you like to use. Yeah, and if you did not enjoy what you heard today, then we will play the Batman theme uh, motif and the Imperial March back-to-back over and over and over again. So yeah, if you don't want that to happen, um, or if you do, uh, go give us that five-star rating. (laughs) There are new episodes of the Other Brothers Podcast every (laughs) Tuesday-ish. If you have any suggestions for what we should review next or any top five ideas for us, because we do those also. Or if you just want to reach out and be friends. <laughs> yeah, or that. You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Other Bros Pod. And most importantly, tell your friends about us. Yeah, we're trying to grow. Word of mouth is definitely the best way to get podcasts out there to the world. So please tell people about us. I've been John. I've been Colin. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Other Brothers Podcast. And we will see you guys next time. Thank you.